you know, the days all bleed into each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jesus Christ, I know what that's like. Yeah. You're not still sick, are you? I'm a little under the weather, but... Oh, man, I don't know, because you really dragged down our last episode with your incoherent drunkenness. <laughs> I think that there might be a little bit of projection there, Alec. No, I don't project. I only receive... Hi everyone, welcome to What's NXT, a podcast about our favorite wrestling show, NXT. I'm Tristan Marsh. I'm Alec Basio. And this is What's NXT for NXT... Ah, we haven't done that in a while. Who gives a shit? It's uh, episode 438? Who gives a shit? I don't care. Okay. Right at the top, we should announce to our three fans that still haven't emailed us... Bastards. We're going to be moving to a monthly format. Monthly. Monthly. Less play-by-play, more color commentary. Yeah, that's fun. That's what everybody likes anyway. Everybody wants to be Jesse Ventura, right? Everybody wants to bullshit with their friends. Speaking of bullshit... Yeah? You want to talk about some? I do. I have one piece of bullshit to talk about. It was right after watching... This episode, this fine episode of NXT, that I uh, decided I was going to become more professional and compile my notes. And while I was doing that, the app rolled over into the in-progress episode of Ride Along, a show I have never watched before and had no interest in whatsoever. What, you don't watch a lot of the network original programming like Camp WWE? I've... Never seen anything other than ads for that cartoon show that they do. (laughs) Yeah, Camp WWE. That's the cartoon show? Oh, no, I thought it was something else because they would talk about their own little, like, memories. That's another one. They also have another animated show about the wrestlers as kids at a summer camp. Oh, that sounds terrible. (laughs) Is Braun Strowman just adult-sized? Yeah, so I had never watched this before, so... Every once in a while, I'd look up and I'd realize, oh shit, look, it's the Miztourage in a limousine. That's hilarious. And Bo Dallas is fucking awesome. He's got this wimpy little shit voice. Like, longtime NXT fans are going to know this because he was on NXT and he was really fun and a lot of good times. But um, when he's just himself, he still has that voice. It's great. <laughs> He got really drunk on champagne in the limousine and was telling stories about having chickens come into his house. And he just seemed to be a laugh riot. The Miz was getting super into his stories and everybody was laughing. We were having a good time. You'll be interested to know that your little buddies, the Revival, were in another car. Because apparently they just follow lots of different guys all at once. They got about one one and a half minutes in where they were able to like kind of try and shoot on raw 25 and then it like cut halfway through a sentence (laughs) they did a lot of retrospective cuts it was they i think that they said it'll be cool to be on something like that again only maybe next time it'll be us beating up the young guys (laughs) so that's ride along guys um a firm two and a half out of five (laughs) 
Oh, great. <laughs> Just a real middle of the road. Straight down the line. I got two bits of bad news. Oh, Are you going to put in like a Wade Barrett thing there? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? I'm afraid I've got some bad news. <laughs> Man, what the fuck? That guy was pretty cool. <laughs> I like how quickly our podcast devolves into one of us making a reference just to be able to be like, I liked that guy. Yeah. Oh, I think he's in charge of some company now, but it doesn't matter. Go on. <laughs> First, NXT has let go Abby Lath and Sage Beckett. This is really weird and unfortunate. I really yeah. like those guys. See, it ties in with the Wade Barrett thing. But I did really like those guys. They were great in the in the Mae Young. And they even had like a little bit of fun spots and things during that uh, Battle Royal that they've had. They weren't really used except for the Mae Young and that Battle Royale. It did make me question whether or not they were even signed. They definitely were because they are no longer signed. Abby Lath finally gets to go back to being Kimberly and kicking ass. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like she would have kicked ass on NXT too. If they gave her a chance, which they never did. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> Do you think that they just feel that their division is so stacked right now? The iconic duo are back in the intro. They're just trying to draw attention. They're like, look, look, we have all these. Yeah, we have all of these ma amazing female competitors that we never use. Well, they, they're going to have to start having more than one women's match per show now. Yeah, the women were on like five minutes of this episode. And it was the most consistent five minutes. So I really wanted more, but at least it wasn't just a complete who gives a shit. Bad news number two. Fish got injured. This sucks really bad, too. Oh, no. Fish injured apparently his knee. No word yet on what the fuck they're going to do about the tag titles. That's super disappointing. Yeah, it is. Do we know how it got injured or maybe how bad it is? I kind of didn't want to dig too deep because I don't want... Oh, because it might have been, yeah, right. They might have been taping something. We're both in the same boat where we want to know a little, but there's a line that quickly approaches where we know too much. Right. We don't have any experience to offer to our listeners, and we also don't have enough esoteric, archaic knowledge that goes back to the 70s and before to entertain our listeners so we're going blind as an entertainment to our listeners. So we owe that to them. Tabula rasa. Our ignorance is the only selling point of this show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. However, I've got good news about an injury. I'm afraid I've got some good news. Oh, what's this? You know how we've been talking about where did Lars Sullivan go? Yeah, where did he go? He got a minor injury. He's just been out for a little bit. Oh, thank God. I was reading all this weird shit about, like, maybe steroids or something, and I was like, oh, come on, not my Lars. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. We're going to be getting him back soon. Our favorite Mark will be back in town. Oh, man, that's good. 
We can only hope his beard will be double the length. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. If he follows the Ciampa protocol, he'll have a bigger beard and bigger muscles. He'll just be a complete sphere of muscle with yeah. a three-foot-long beard. And little red booties sticking out. So that's the bullshit. You want to get to the show? Let's do it. We're taking a bit of a different approach to the show today. We're not going to go chronologically. I like that. We're more high-octane this way. Efficient. Powerful. We're shift gears like we have a manual clutch box. Two New York kids talking about driving. I don't even have a license. I don't even have a learner's permit. (laughs) I have a learner's permit. I'm 31 years old. Shit. Let's talk about... Bianca Belair versus Miss Drew Renee. Oh, Miss Drew Renee. That NXT staple. We must have had that name appear at one point or another. I didn't. I wasn't aware of it. It's another wrestler standing in the middle of the ring at the beginning of the match. Great. Another wrestler that could have basically been replaced with a sack of potatoes for all of the offense she got in. Yeah. Do you think Bianca Belair is going to single-handedly depopulate the entirety of shit? My joke is fucked up because I forgot what city they're in. (laughs) Timing, Alec. What's the most important thing in comedy, Alec? Timing! It's remembering your fucking (laughs) joke. Here we go. Ready? Joke part two. Is Bianca Belair going to completely reduce the population of Atlanta to nothing? Yeah, probably. At least they're women's wrestlers. There will be no more women in Atlanta. This is like one of those why the last man situations, but like on a much smaller scale and only with wrestling. Standing atop Atlanta, flexing and whipping her hair around. (laughs) Yeah, basically. She's she's killed like their entire wrestling population. She's going to start saying, bring in the men. There's no one left for me. I'm still waiting for Asuka to say that. So, yeah, yeah, the sooner WWE can get there, the better, in my opinion. I think it'd be a little disappointing if Bianca Belair gets there before Asuka does, though. Well, Bianca Belair has a loss to her name. She's not undefeated. But she is the Est. She is the Est, and this is definitely a squash match. This is a huge squash match. Yeah, and just like many of the other Bianca Belair squash matches we've seen, this one draws a bit of a negative reaction from the crowd during parts of it. I mean, they're still behind Bianca in a sense. Like, she flexes and they cheer. She pulls off a flapjack after, like, three, two or three suplexes. Two stalling vertical suplexes that she maintains control through and rolls through for another one. And then a flapjack. Really fucking crazy. They do appreciate that. That is good. But they are a little bit uh, overeager and a little bit uh, aware of the fact that this is a squash. They're a chance of whip her. They're a chance of let's go jobber. I kind of, I won't say that I liked the guy who yelled whip her. It was such an obvious example of somebody... I don't know, wearing their heart on their sleeve a bit too openly. Like, that guy is way too into the hair whip. It's a little too into it. A little too into it in a way that I like versus 
the shitty fans that are a little too into some of these matches where they're like, I'm going to yell, let's go jobber. I'm going to yell what when Almas is cutting his promo because he has an accent. We've been in Atlanta for a long time, and they've seen Bianca Belair squash everyone around them every time they're there. So maybe, I guess I kind of understand why at this point they're getting a little bit nasty about it. Because you're you're probably a little bored of watching just Bianca Belair just own every wrestler from your city. Yeah, but that first Let's Go Jobber chant was the first Squatch match she had. Half of the crowd, and I hope more than half, let's say two-thirds of the crowd, are exuberant marks. Mm-hmm. They cheer for Johnny Gargano. They boo Ciampa. They are conflicted about Almas. But they are experiencing wrestling as it probably should be experienced, right? Right. The way nature intended. And then there's a third of the audience that are exuberant smarks. And they need to just shut up. Because they are always looking for the smarkiest shit to do or say at any given moment. And then there's one guy that is really into the hair whip. Yeah. Boy, he's going to be disappointed like six years down the line when she loses that hair in a hair versus hair match. Oh, God. And then everybody else is instantly drawn to the fact that, oh, wait, we've been missing the real gimmick all along, which is that she's ridiculously jacked and can lift everything. The last two squash matches they're like don't do the hair this time yeah no no you can't blow it every time focus more on that really cool fall away reverse slam that's pretty crazy i think that's a great way to do it because how many of these guys do we see that they use the same shit every time to the point where you kind of can map out where how the match is going alistair black yeah alistair black johnny gargano He'll never lose until after he needs to have the fucking slingshot spear get countered. (laughs) I mean, otherwise, the match isn't even halfway done. What's the point if he doesn't go for a slingshot spear and get slapped in the face like an idiot? (laughs) Miss Drew Renee is laying on the mat. Lying? Laying? Whichever. Sure. And she yells, get up and fight me. Come on, fight me. And it's really fucking intimidating, except... She has a very unintimidating voice. Woman handling Miss Drew Renee. Women can sound intimidating. I'm not saying that her voice is not intimidating because she's a woman. But she has a certain kind of woman's voice that is very unintimidating. And we haven't seen this disparity in physical ability and sweet, cute, adorable, high-pitched voice since Nia Jax or Brock Lesnar. Especially Brock Lesnar. He's got such a cute voice. It doesn't make sense. There is a reason that Paul Heyman is still just chilling around with WWE. And it is Brock Lesnar. We've talked a lot about how Shayna has a schoolyard bully kind of essence to her. Yeah. But these guys really have a schoolyard bully voice. Because they sound like children, but they're still like talking about how they're going to eviscerate you and it's very disconcerting yeah it's it's fun it's honestly it's great to have a couple of wrestlers like that because it kind of snaps you like whoa 
for how glam and femme her presentation is, I think it's perfect. Because oh, yeah. she isn't trying to be deep-voiced, gravelly Shayna Baszler. She's trying to be that voice that can fucking kick your ass, which is great. The little, like, bird flappy thing she does with her hands are really yes. also very... It's, it kind of plays into that, too. I, I really like that. Besides the Bianca Belair, Miss Drew Renee match, we have two matches that there's nothing technically wrong with, but I still kind of had problems with. The first one is the first match in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. It's TM61 versus Authors of Pain. I thought it was a pretty good match. I thought it was... My classification for it was Spry High Flies versus Rude Two Dudes. Oh, yeah. No. The match was actually really yeah. fun. There was a lot of great technical shit. Flipping. A lot of crazy shit. A lot of good tag psychology. One of my favorite moments of this match actually happened early on. Shane Thorne does a tope con hilo. Slams into both of the AOP. And when he jumps up, he yells... Dusty Rhodes, baby, as if <laughs> Dusty Rhodes was known for his acrobatic leaps. <laughs> hey, those rolling elbows—they <laughs> take a lot of—they take a lot of. A lot I know of that he was probably you. talking about the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and not Dusty Rhodes the Dude, but it just made me laugh, <laughs> and it's such a good example of TM61 being like good rowdy boys, you know, like yeah. We're good guys, but we're kind of we're kind of rowdy. We'll do crazy stuff. I like that. When I watch this, I think I've said this before about them, but they really are just straight out of Japan. Oh yeah. Like the way they pose when they come out, their theme music, everything about them is just so Japan. Nick Miller has a signature move. It's a moonsault off the top rope and it's called the Blue Vengeance and I was like, "Oh, they must have trained under Blue Justice, right?" I don't know who they trained under out there. I didn't watch enough of that biopic that they released on NXT a couple of months ago. Why else would it be called Blue Vengeance? Just because he wears blue tights? Yeah, probably because did you hear about Shane Thorne's Orange Vengeance? Or no. One of the other cool things about this match was Pro Wrestling Noah was mentioned. The actual name of the promotion they were in. It was surprising to hear a Japanese promotion by name mentioned on a WWE product. That was really crazy to me. And it wasn't even NJPW being referred to as just Japan. It was yeah. like... Or the Indies. It was yeah. Pro Wrestling Noah, which is like the Indies in Japan. <laughs> I thought that cool. DDT was the Indies in Japan. Yes, that's, that's true. Pro Wrestling Noah was like the WCW in Japan, I think. I'm not as well-versed. I mean... Again, you guys you guys love us because we go in blind. We talked when they had the match with Undisputed Era. We finally got to see them sell. They sell in this, and they sell really well. Yeah, they really do. At one point, Shane Thorne attacks Razar in the corner. He does a running kick. And the way that Razar chooses to sell this is by... Kicking both legs up and basically doing a butt slam to nobody. And then putting his two arms around the rope and rolling his head. 
It was really fun. He was like King Hippo in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. It was so yeah. great. A lot of big guys sell by taking a knee. I don't want to risk looking weaker than I am because I'm huge. And this is going to play into the other match that we talk about. They're so confident. All this opinion. They can sell any way that they want because they know, hey, we look like badasses and we win all the time. So it's cool. If we sell over the top a little bit here and there. If we get it goofy, it's still going to look pretty badass. The second they do that fucking last chapter, they don't look goofy anymore. <laughs> no, the pacing is really great. It's so great that these guys have become wrestlers in front of our eyes because when they started out, they kind of just slowly walked around the ring and then did the super collider and then the last chapter and it was over and now they're doing fucking wrestling shit it's great guess what was missing from this match that made me love it even more super collider there's no fucking super collider <laughs> saw that happening and i was like oh alex number one aop match we can get rid of that forever now guys it's cool we've seen we don't need it last chapter is good enough with all of the good shit out of the way. Right. Drum roll, because AOP hit the last chapter, and they win. Yes, they do. They do win. They win after we have had two months of building up TM61. Right. Two months of everyone speculating that surely AOP is going to the main roster soon. Right. Two months where we've been talking about how this Dusty Tag Team Classic is really going to be a great vehicle for TM61 to re-solidify their place in the tag team environment. Right. And they're out in the first match. That is disappointing, yes. I haven't been reading the, the rules because, again... I have to read or watch something, I'm not going to do it. Um, this is a single elimination tournament or a double elimination tournament? Single elimination. Okay, yeah. No, it's not great. It's not <laughs> great to have them out right away. I agree with you there. It's No, this is not, not round robin. This is... <laughs> no, there's lots of ways to do it. I mean, you could get really, like, anal and board gamey about it and do a Swiss or whatever. But no, no, they're, they're doing single. And so TM61 is out of the running entirely. And that is really rough because this match was great. And I wanted to see more of them. I think putting them up against Authors of Pain in the very first round was a big mistake. Except if they had won, because then it would have been like, oh, they won against the guys they lost against last time. They start this match off with the commentary being like, They've been gone for a year, and no ring rust. They're working as good as they were working last year. It's like... Yeah. They're sending all of these messages where they're like, these are the guys. These are the why, guys. I, I don't understand why we don't have this be the semifinal then. Or like the last match on the side of the bracket. I think the tournament format does lend itself towards not varying TM61. But what I didn't tell you is that I think maybe the result kind of made the tournament seem less cool. I don't think it hurt TM61 that they lost because this is a tournament. So there's going to be winners. There's going to be losers. It's not like, you know, whatever. And it's going to keep going. And meanwhile, 
in NXT land, they're still going to be winning their squash matches and doing whatever. There's a chance that this isn't going to hurt them at all. But to see the clear overdogs triumph over the underdogs that you really kind of thought had a really good shot and you kind of could see you could see it all going their way to see that happen does it delegitimize the tournament itself a little bit the storyline recently has been tm61 is going to attempt to make up for lost time and it's in the run-up to the takeover before WrestleMania, which yeah. is like the moment when good usually finally triumphs over evil, they should have at least gotten to the semifinals, right? I really think they should have gotten to the semifinals. There should have been a couple of weeks of us going, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. It's very disheartening to see them lose right off the bat, but... You gotta assume that they're trying to do some sort of weird storyline with it. Hopefully. I, mean, I don't know. It's very Hopefully. odd. That was a little disappointing. The other disappointing match was sadly the main event tonight. Yeah. It was Alistair Black versus Killian Dane, kind of unofficially for number one contendership against Andrade Cien Almas. This was a fine match. I liked yeah. most of it. I agree. But I really couldn't get fully invested in it because I know how protected Alistair Black is right now because of his streak. And it kind of made it a little boring. Yeah. None of the near falls worked on me. And I was just like, I was waiting for the attempt at the Black Mass. I knew we aren't going to get an ending before he hit least attempts the black mass and so far that finisher is completely protected yeah we're at eclipse levels i mean oscar could kick out of it yeah well oscar can kick out of anything yeah is this how other people feel about oscar about oscar yeah Hmm. do you think that there are people that watch oscar matches and are like i just find them so boring because i know she's gonna win I mean, they should just take a page out of my book and just find joy in how she wins. I mean, I know she's going to win every time, but that's fine. I just, you know, I want to see that's how That's perfect, because that's exactly what I came to when I was thinking about this. Maybe they are bored by it, but she fights in different styles, and she has different finishing combos. It's always interesting to see her be really aggressive against Nia Jax to compensate for the size disparity. And then against Bailey, a bit more slow-paced and methodical, but respectful. And then against people that she doesn't respect, a little shitty, and she slaps them in the face, right? She is telling different stories. Aleister Black has one style of fighting. It's really fun to watch, but if you know it's always going to win it starts to get boring because you go, I'm going to wait for the Black Mass, and then he's going to hit the Black Mass, and then it's one, two, three, and then he won. I'm really happy that you brought up the near falls, especially, because I am about to become an old piece of shit. Man, fuck this near fall shit. You know what? It's cool when a near fall is like, oh my god, he hit his finisher. Oh my god, he kicked out. Whoa. Okay. At one point, right after the commercial break, 
Killian Dane gets Alistair Black with a snap mare and then goes for a pin. And it's a two count. Is it realistic that anyone will lose to a snap mare? Is it realistic that should I be biting my nails? Staring at Killian Dane laying on top of Aleister Black because he just hit him with the fucking snapmare. The thing that people do in the first 15 seconds of a match. Yeah. Well, it's even worse than that because there are so many near falls like that that later on in the match, when he does that really cool combo that used to have a really cool name, but I've forgotten about it because now all they talk about is the divide. Yeah, oh my god, he does the slam, and then he does the senton, and then he does a Vader bomb. Yeah. And he gets right. a two count out of that. But there have already been enough near falls that I'm like, eh, he's going to kick out of that. Yeah, that's not a finisher. We know that only a finisher is going to end this match. And also, we haven't seen Aleister Black attempt the Black Mass yet. If he had done a Black Mass, but Killian Dane had been able to dodge it, then I might think... Oh, yeah, that combo might actually be the finish. But we haven't seen the Black Mass yet, so I'm like, oh, we haven't seen the Black Mass yet. Yeah. It's the only thing he does that he can win with, so why would... What the fuck? Yeah, it's just... It's just... It's very strange to me. And I feel like near falls... A lot of near falls cannot even be great and exciting and fun, but they need to be meaningful. And the fact that I saw one after a Snapmare... It just made me so upset. If I was sitting in that room and I was watching this happen and I saw that he got a two count out of that, I would be like, so should I be watching out for fucking front face locks and stuff? I, I know that's not going to work. So why even go for the, t why even attempt the pin? It kind of fucks with the audience too much, I think. With sufficient story building, it doesn't matter because both of those Gargano almost matches, the last two. Yeah. There were near falls at the end that were like just fucking straight DDTs or straight body slams. Yeah. But they worked because they had told such an invested story that you go, oh, they're so exhausted by this point. Even yes. the smallest thing could. This is just. It doesn't matter. They've been Spend wrestling time. for five, five minutes maybe six or seven minutes and they get a fucking regular ass move out and they go for it. And yeah, it really kills it a little. And it shouldn't have been a two because if he had kicked out at one, the commentary can do what they always do, which is go, well, it might not win at the early time, but you go for the pin and they have to waste energy kicking out. That's a fine thing to say. It gives you time to plan. They're yeah. on the back foot for longer. I mean, it's fine. It makes sense. You go for the pin when you can, but why pretend like it's going to win? Yeah, it's very weird. It's very weird to me. I think I'm cool with the Black Mass winning. I liked that Dane kind of got out of a roll-up before to show that he was, like, fighting around and also to be more convincing that he would get hit by it. No, it makes, it makes sense that a guy 120 pounds lighter than Killian Dane will be able to get up off the mat quicker than Killian yeah. Dane will. 
And, you know, he's got that big background and all his, like, fucking flips and crazy roundhouse kicks and stuff. So, of course, he'll be ready to hit him with it when he gets up. I've watched enough wrestling to know that I, I know we talk about being blind all the time and not having a lot of... But I think I can say this pretty definitively. It is difficult to have a 20-minute match when you're a giant and you're fighting a guy that's not at all a giant. Because you have to find a way to sell without looking wimpy... But to also sell convincingly enough that you're selling the majority of the time because the minute you start getting offense, if that happens minute 7 out of 20, and then there's 14 minutes of you getting the shit kicked out of you, that guy didn't feel your offense and you look like a little wimp. You're a giant. You should be fucking him up. So it's very difficult, I think, for this match. I think the match is tough, and I think that honestly... Dane did a very good job of it, and I think Aleister Black is more than competent at wrestling. So Aleister like, Black did, great. did a great job at it too. The problem yeah. isn't with the performers or the performance, really, because, like I said, the match was fine. I liked the match. The thing that affects immersion the most is when the booking becomes visible. The best booking is completely who the fuck knows. Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Almas, both of those last two matches you felt like could have gone either way because NXT was behind both of these guys, it seemed like, kind of equally. Killian Dane, NXT is behind. Yeah, they're pushing him like crazy. They have so shown their hand with Aleister Black that the match starts, you aren't even going, how is Aleister Black going to win this? You're completely removed because you're like, Alistair Black is going to win this way because they want him to go up against Almas. Yeah. Which is weird because usually NXT is so much better at it than that. Usually when you watch NXT, there's a playful quality and a storytelling quality that really lets you immerse yourself. And for some reason, with Alistair Black... They've completely dropped the ball. Hopefully, Almas kicks his fucking ass. The golden man is going to put him in his place. NXT doesn't want to see Killian Dane versus Almas. I do, because I think that would be really interesting. I would love to see how Almas would perform. I Because you know he can. He's, he's, yeah. he's yeah, so yeah. experienced that I know that he'd have a way to do it. And Dane seems to be game for anything. Like He seems to oh, be yeah. able to just play around in any kind of match. So it would be really fun, I think, to see the two of them fight. It was in the cards. I mean, the minute you see this and realize that the winner is probably going to fight Andrade, it's got to be Aleister Black. So you, you're taken out of it even another step. And I, I'm that's not disparaging the match to come because that's probably going to be like a match, an early match of the year contendership because it's Aleister Black and fucking Andrade and Almas. It's going to be a great match. I can't wait for the end of this year. Just to rub it in everyone's face, who a year ago was saying Almas wasn't shit, where he's going to show up like eight times on that, like, NXT oh, that match of the list? year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is. He is. Before we get into the main topic, I just wanted to do a quick Percy watch. Percy watch. You remember... uh like three or four weeks ago when we were saying how nice it was that Percy was talking a lot more again. Yeah, and we were going to keep an eye on him. 
Uh, he disappeared again. <laughs> yeah, he definitely did. Do we need to, like, fucking take his iPhone away from him or something? I don't know what's going on. Every once in a while, Nigel and Morrow will stop talking, and it's very obvious that they're both looking at Percy and, like, doing the go-ahead hand motion. And he looks up from his phone and goes, uh, Oh, uh, man, that was a real... And then goes back to his phone. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think they're cutting him in post? Paging Mr. Percy. (laughs) Mr. Percy Watson, you have a telephone call at the front desk. (laughs) Let's talk about the highlight of this episode. Yes, please. Which was... All of these promos. Uh-huh. Oh my god. There's so I much can't good even shit. Hold going on. all these promos. It was around promo three that I was like, Oh, this is just all promos. This is great. Oops, all promos. Yeah, no, you know what? It's fine. Now with one hundred and fifty percent more promos, I found myself perking up every time a pre-taped segment or some sort of weird thing was gonna show up. I definitely perked up because I've noticed promos are where you and i really shine because when we're talking about a match we'll make a joke or two but we're like serious wrestling fans and we're like oh you know i i really thought that you know uh his work rate has been kind of down recently and i just really think when we're talking about promos we're like and this guy walks in and he looks like he smelled a fart and (laughs) yeah no it's definitely a lot more fun it's definitely a lot more fun because you don't have to worry about how vascular the wrestlers are when they're doing a promo. <laughs> they're usually fully dressed. You aren't thinking yeah. about their package or how sexy they look. You don't have to go on a mushroom hunt. <laughs> Pete Dunne looks extremely fly in his promo. Oh, my I know God. We'll get okay, to him. I'm, I'm glad I know that we'll you mentioned that. Him. I know it. But apparently, you take the mouth guard out of his mouth. And you dry his hair, and Pete Dunne has a smoldering sexy quality that cannot be denied. No, it can't be denied. He's a beautiful man. He is the exact opposite of his in-ring character when he's walking around in a fucking hunting coat and luxurious scarf. I do want to just point out he never does the sneer. I don't think it's even possible without the mouthpiece in. (laughs) We've already started talking about how much we want to fuck Pete Dunne, so... (laughs) Yeah, but you know, the real Mark in me wants to fuck him because of his work rate. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just cut to the parking lot promo. It's not a loading dock, but it's, it's almost a loading dock. If we're staying at center stage for another week or two, which who the fuck knows, maybe we are... Um, we'll probably end up seeing this fucking parking lot quite a bit. Cause I think that they stumbled on it one day and they were just, <gasps> Oh my God. Finally. <laughs> Regal is talking about the dusty classic and it's, you know, the fake press conference. You got sure. the iPhones, you got, the you iPhones got a couple face. of microphones. Yeah. He doesn't really say anything. He just says, Dusty Tag Team Classic. It's always fun. And then he walks yeah. off. I think he said it like three or four times in a row, the exact same thing. Give me, give, me a dark, give me a dark horse in this tournament. Third year, give me a dark horse. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I've got business to attack. Please, Mr. Regal. Pizza! Pizza! Jack! Roger Strong. You're a great match. Roger Strong. Good thoughts on Roger Strong in that match. 
He walks off, and there is an audible, like, groan from the press corps. Because they're like, who are we going to talk to next? When, all of a sudden, down the parking ramp walks Pete Dunne. Yeah. We've already mentioned he looks sexy as shit. He's wearing, like, a three-piece suit or something. I don't know what. He looks great. I don't know about clothes. He looks amazing. But he looks wonderful. He starts shooting on Roderick Strong. You took me to the limit, but that UK title is staying in the UK. It's not going anywhere. It's great. He's just like, yeah, he's really good, but uh, that that title needs to stay in England. That's my English accent. Oi, oi, oi. Yeah, that's that's English. Crikey, <laughs> that title needs to stay that's in England. That's more Australian, crikey. Yeah. Bangers and mash. Ohio goes I must. <laughs> I thought that you were just saying Ohio. <laughs> sure, that's my Drew Carey accent. <laughs> Ohio, 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 Ohio. All of a sudden... Roderick Strong just appears. What a fucking shithead hipster beanie bullshit hat thing that he has on his head. Oh my god. He's also kind of wearing sexy Roderick Strong clothes. He's like in a blazer or something. But then, yeah, he has like a fisherman's beanie on. Oh, it looks like he stepped right out of an H&M catalog. (laughs) That's my my Lars Sullivan accent. (laughs) This guy... He could be on the cover of an H&M catalog. He definitely could with that hat. Are you kidding me? Oh, he could be on a fucking iPad commercial. They don't sell those anymore. Sorry, I'm, they're not pushing the iPad. The iPhone commercial. He has the exact opposite reaction of Pete Dunne. I want to make this very clear. You were the better man. I just want to congratulate you on your victory, but I want you to know, I can't wait to do that again. But I just wanted to tell you how much I respect you. And Pete Dunne kind of is like, okay, as long as you're saying that you respect me, I'm cool with you. I think Roddy even says, you were the better man, but I won another title. And I was like, wow, I really, Roderick Strong is really making a good impression on me because we're agreeing (laughs) with each other on a lot of things. I like the idea of them trying to be friendlier because Roddy is kind of like an asshole baby face. And I would really like to see Mustache Mountain versus these guys. That would be so fun. That would be great. I think it would be really great. Then, all of a sudden, Adam Cole shows up and he's bringing the boys, baby. The boys are back in town. Oh. They look like absolute douchebags. <laughs> I think Adam Cole grows his hair, and I've said this probably even on the podcast before. I think he grows his hair out that long on purpose so that, not for his in-ring appearance, but so that when he's out of the ring, he can put it in a man bun and just make you want to fucking punch him. He's got the man bun, and he's chewing gum. Oh, true mark of a heel. Every heel in NXT right now is chewing gum. And he's got... A black blazer and pants with a black t-shirt underneath. He looks like he's delivering... He looks like he's delivering a speech at a tech expo. 
Yeah, let me explain why my Internet of Things refrigerator will make your life way better <laughs> than their Internet of Things refrigerator. <laughs> Mine's really great because uh, 3D wireframe logo. <laughs> Fish is in a very handsome white button-up. He's got a luxurious scarf of his own. So you got to assume that him and Pete Dunn, you know, across the battle lines, they're probably looking at each other and going, oh, we're not too different. When the promo is over, they're going to meet up and they're going to be like, where did you get yours? <laughs> they're taking notes. O'Reilly is in a blue button up. And wearing the most obnoxious, stupid, yellow sunglasses I've ever seen. That's because O'Reilly doesn't know how to dress. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Everybody here is trying to look somewhat sophisticated. And he looks like an eight-year-old boy who's going to, you know, his cousin's confirmation. <laughs> he's like... He's like, his mom is in the kitchen baking a pie, and he's just jumping up and down behind her. Mom, these are real cool, right? She's like, yeah, yeah, they're great. Just wear them. So, obviously, Adam Cole starts making shitty comments, and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, right, yeah. Let's talk about the important thing, which is the fashion. <laughs> I'm looking at this, and I go, is this what Entourage was? I've never seen an episode of Entourage. <laughs> But this feels like Entourage. I saw, like, posters and maybe a clip or two online. I've never watched an episode. Right. But it feels like this is Entourage, right? I, I would have to say that the writers of this show, like you, also have never seen Entourage. <laughs> but think that this is totally Entourage. <laughs> it's just a bunch of fashionable young men with varying states of facial hair. Just bitching at each other. Is there a way to do a man version of a Real Housewives show? I wouldn't be really all that pissed if they debuted a Total Divas-like show that just followed around these five guys. Yeah, they could just call it Total NXT. Total assholes. <laughs> Cole immediately burns Roddy. Hey, hey, let me guess, Roddy. You're begging for another big match to have that you can lose, right? <laughs> Solid. Burn. That was pretty great. I like that. But then Dunn stands up for Roderick Strong with a burn of his own. And this burn is paradoxically ice cold. You can talk. You haven't won anything since you've been here. Where's this guy? Think he is. Yeah, this is probably the fiercest thing you could say. It's withering. It's withering. It is withering. That's the perfect word for it. It's withering. It is withering, and it hits Adam Cole like a sack of hammers. <laughs> it is incisive in a way that only four middle school girls at a mall can be. Yeah. He zeroed yeah. in on the one thing that, like, you know is constantly in the back of Adam Cole's mind. Because he says that... And Adam Cole gets crazy eyes. And you're like, oh, it's going to pop off right now. When old Daddy Regal walks by in the background and goes, hey, is, is anything going on here? And again, like a gaggle of middle school girls, they all 
immediately stop fighting and go, no, no, everything's fine. We're just talking. Is there a problem here? No. No, there's no problem. One of the best, I'd say it's the second best promo on this show. But what I will say also is, holy shit, are we getting a fucking Pete Dunne face turn? I don't know, man. But that would be pretty excellent. I think it'd be great because it would just totally make everybody feel fine about cheering him. Because let me just bring up, this was the stuff that I wrote about this. We're not going to stop cheering him. No, we're never going to stop cheering him. Some people might be concerned. They might say, can Dunne be a face? He breaks people's fingers and he sneers all the time. And he wears an ugly mouthpiece. Well, it's very easy. I think he can. And especially in NXT. The reason why is because the primary quality of the babyface that many people overlook is that the crowd wants them to win. We already want Dunn to win. And so does everybody. <laughs> so, like, he's already, like, 60% of the way there. All he's got to do, all he's got to do, is just kind of maybe get a good heel to go against. And, hey, he might. Adam Cole. I mean, that might be fun. And he also just kind of needs to tone down the nastiness in his speech just a bit. He doesn't need to actually change his personality or anything. And he probably needs to not break anybody's elbow. But I think he can do it. I think he can become a babyface. And I really am excited about this. It also maybe means that Tyler Bate is going to move on to other things and not just always challenge Dunn for the title. Next up on the promo train, this is going to be a short one because oh, yeah. Sanity cuts a basement promo. Yeah, this was fun. The location was fun. We're back in the basement. He's going down the stairs now, Eric Young. We get to watch him walk down the stairs. It's a very dynamic promo. I loved... The acting yeah. in this promo hated the lines. They keep trying to get United We Purge over. Purge is a terrible thing to say in wrestling because it sounds, it makes me think of people throwing food up. <laughs> I was going to say it's terrible because they're just aping that stupid movie franchise but yeah no it's way worse than that for me it's like if there was a guy oh it's like if new japan came over and brought juice robinson over and then in all the american promos they were talking about juice and we just instantly were thinking about juice robinson injecting his ass with steroids right in that gummy bear tattoo that he has when you say something like purge in a very body image centric <laughs> sport like wrestling, I can really only think cutting weight. Alexander Wolf throwing up in a toilet. Um Alexander Wolf says some stuff that I forget. Alexander Wolf is great in this. He is great. Even better is Nikki Cross jumping on his back. Oh, of course. But the high slash low point is when Killian Dane comes in and everybody falls silent. The beast is going to talk. And he says, Chaos will <laughs> win. It's Chaos Reigns, dude. That would have been so much better. I think they have to stop with the chaos thing because they sound like a bunch of 13-year-old kids. But if he had said Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns. 
it would hint that these guys definitely sit around and watch Lars von Trier movies all the time, which they obviously do. They do a lot of things together. They're good friends. Now, is Lars von Trier the guy that made the movie about Willem Dafoe smashing his penis and then jerking off and blood shoots out? Yes, that's why I said they should have yelled chaos reigns instead of chaos will win. Okay, because, like, that's... Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. I don't want to see Killian Dane smash his penis with a hammer. Yeah, probably not. But also... (laughs) I feel bad for him. I don't think he gets paid enough for that. But that's definitely the kind of movie that they all sit around and watch. And they act like it's normal to watch, but it isn't. I mean, they're eating popcorn. Yeah. Alexander Wolf's secret, and he doesn't let anybody know, but he makes the best popcorn. And the reason why is because he takes a little bit of Parmesan cheese and he puts it in the bag and shakes it around before he puts it in the bowl. He doesn't say anything because he knows it's a little pretentious, but you know what? It really makes it better. And he goes the extra, he goes the extra mile for his pals. And, uh, you know, is it's it great. more pretentious than me explaining what Dogma 95 is on my wrestling podcast? No, but if he puts rosemary in, it definitely is. <laughs> I love you. Because everybody's reaction to the way that Killian Dane is talking about his next move, which is to beat up Alistair Black, everybody reacts to that in a way where they're just like, yeah, we love you, buddy. We want you to do it. It's like Eric they're very Young supportive. looks like his Eric Young looks like his dad. He like looks super <laughs> proud and he's like staring at him. He's like, yeah. And he's just smiling at him. You've made me so happy, Killian Dane. Yeah. Maybe we'll go play some catch later. We'll have a catch. <laughs> I'm kind of just doing Long Islander who smokes too much voice now. After that, let's talk about heavy machinery. Every single time they outdo each other. Hey, Street Profits, last week, you guys were a little bit unsure of your crazy fun promo. We're going to show you how to commit 110% to a crazy fun promo. Pretty much all Otis Dozovich does the entire time is stand in the background yelling, Oh yeah! Yeah! He's lifting weights and standing completely still because he's on a moving platform being dragged by Tucker Knight. (laughs) It was awesome. Tucker Knight explains. Last year, we were the young calves, the veal. Oh, yeah. Now, we're the nice aged beef. Oh, yeah. And whoever we face in the first round of the Dustin Rhodes Tag Team Classic, I'm telling you that they ain't ready for this beef. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Beef. (laughs) Alec, they were the steaks all along. They were the stakes. They were the stakes. They stakes. were the stakes and the weights. They were basically a couple of macho mans that were fat. He's the stake and Otis Dozovich is the weight in this promo. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, definitely. They went out of their way to do some macho man stuff that I thought was really great. The way they said, oh, yeah. The way they bugged their eyes out at the camera and just like looked like they were completely out of their minds. And Tucker Knight really went above and beyond. He was the main guy on this one. Otis Dozovich, he's been the one that seems like he is possessed by the ghost of Randy Savage. Yes. And it's really nice to see Tucker Knight go, hey, you're not the only one that can be a fucking weirdo. I really loved him on this. I thought he was great. If they just keep trying to outdo each other, oh, straight to the top. Absolutely. 
put him on the main roster. Give him the fucking universal title. They can share it. Put fucking coffee creamers in every pocket <laughs> on every piece of clothing that they've got. They are, they are they're killing it. I, I, I actually think because of the strength of this promo, I think that NXT would be fools to have them lose to the Street Profits. I want them to just cut the cream of the crop promo, but instead of coffee creamers, it's cans of creamed corn. Oh, that's really good. Because you know that that's what they eat when they need to, quote, get their vegetables. Yeah, naturally. They have three steaks and an unheated can of cream corn. Or one of those frozen blocks of spinach. (laughs) (laughs) They just kind of suck on it. (laughs) jesus christ this was so good and like you know i know that we say this every single time you can't not enjoy these two fuckers yeah they're really crazy they're They're so enjoyable completely wild god it's everything that they do is really great and i'm so happy also that tucker knight got rid of that weird fucking hairstyle braid thing yeah it's just nice to see big long hair good just keep it up. Now we just have to sit and wait for the day that they bug their eyes so hard that they fully pop out of their skull like a Tex Avery wolf. Oh, yeah. But it's not going to be like that because they're just getting a dangle by the optic nerve down. And then they'll start swinging them around because <laughs> they planned this. They planned this the whole time. <laughs> they're just going to swing them around. Next up, the women's promo. Yeah, and this was really fun, too. Little short. We should have another, like, match. Another women's match, another women's promo, maybe. Just even it out. I hope that they have a bunch of matches at the TakeOver before WrestleMania, because they're fucking all killing it, man. Yeah, I think it might actually be really cool to see NXT with more women's matches. Period. On the card than WrestleMania. Like, WrestleMania's gonna have one or two. Two, maybe, are they going to have? Oh, well, they're going to have to have the two title matches. Yeah, and then... Because WrestleMania is super long. I keep forgetting. A fucking mixed match between Triple H and Stephanie and Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle. That doesn't count. (laughs) That doesn't count? Yeah, that doesn't count. That's not going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen, but it's not going to... I mean, we don't have to watch it. I'd love to see them move forward with the women's division and really just give it either a 50-50 split... Or just do more women's matches in It general. starts out, and Lacey Evans is just dumping on Dakota Kai. Christy, I am here to show the entire NXT universe just what a classy and calculating woman is capable of. So let's just say next week I fully intend on testing just how much that arm of hers has healed. She is not racist or weird or gross. That is good. That's a positive step the only thing she is is classist in a completely heel way in a way where i even think that people with fucked up politics probably wouldn't like her which is perfect well because she's not classy because of the money that she's got or because of her etiquette or whatever she's classy because she is who she is what the fuck does that mean well, because she's classy. She's classy because she's classy. It's very Calvinist. <laughs> it's inscrutable. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a dark mystery that you'll never understand. Um, she's also classy even though she's literally 
calling out somebody that she saw had their arm break on TV and is like, I'm going to break your arm again because yeah. I'm classy. <laughs> yeah. And that whoever the person is that comes to every NXT show with a Dakota Kai sign is just like, that happens again and they're going to fucking go into a depression death spiral. No, they're going to they're going to go into a rage. They're sto- they're storming the ring. <laughs> That's my wrestler. <laughs> Did you notice that Lacey Evans has affected an interesting old-timey lady voice to go with her old-timey pinup look? Well, she's from South Carolina or whatever. It doesn't sound like South Carolina. It sounds like BioShock. Oh, really? I was getting me. more of a, like, um, plantation-era debutante vibe. I was getting, like, 40s radio. Both of those kind of point to the same thing, which is over-affected etiquette person. And it's, yes. again, pitch perfect. Whichever one of it. it, it is. I thought it was great. and the, But this was this is the thing. It wasn't... She didn't have that when she got that first promo after she knocked out a... Uh, Aaliyah with one punch. Yeah, no, she just sounded like an asshole. She didn't have that voice. So this is a good, this is a really good step for her. Stop calling out brown people and be more like this. I think it's exciting to see people really think about the character that they get and and develop it behind the scenes when you're not even seeing them do it and just be like, well, okay, I'm an asshole now. Um, that's interesting. I wasn't before. How can I do this? <laughs> and it, it shows that she's thinking about her character because Shayna Baszler shows up and she, like a complete coward who doesn't want to admit that they're a coward, goes, If you'd excuse me, I have things to do. Because she's trying to pretend like she's on Shayna Baszler's level. And when Shayna Baszler shows up, you can see in her face, like, I'm not ready to even be in the same room with this fucking woman. Yeah. I really appreciated that. I thought that was really good. And it's like the second time that Baszler's really intimidated her. Yeah. It made me wonder what's going to happen with that. Because the obvious thing is, oh, there's going to be a match. But I almost feel like there might be some sort of partnership or something that develops out of this she becomes a toady to baszler yeah i'm kind of looking forward to that happening i don't know if it will but i think it would be really cool Shayna baszler continues the line that she was using last week another week another week without a word from ember moon i've been calling out this fighting champion for weeks now normally when a fighter gets challenged they answer all I've gotten is silence? I guess I know my answer. It's a little bit more convincing this week because Ember Moon hasn't responded to her. I like that they really know how to thread the line with Shayna Baszler of, is she completely talking out of turn or does she have a point? Because the last last week it was bullshit because it was just like, you just had your match on the previous show, what is she going to tweet at you over the course of the week? There's been no opportunity for anybody to come after you. So, of course, it sounds ridiculous that you're that you're talking about her ignoring you. 
But this week, there is a little bit of legitimacy, especially when she says a fighting champ always steps up to the challenge. Her post-takeover interview where she was like, who really lost? I can still use my elbow. Who really lost? That's bullshit. But then Amber Moon accepts her rematch and it looks like she was going to tear her limb from limb. And you go, okay, maybe she had a point there. Like they keep doing this thing where she completely talks out of turn. And then the next time you see her, you go, although uh, maybe isn't to say I support her because she's a fucking asshole. She's a cock and a half. You just don't want to end up in a situation where you've got someone fighting and you're like, why are they here? Yeah. And you're never going to be that way with the way that they're booking Baszler. It's 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 pretty clear. There was a lot of violent booing going on. It's important to note that this is clearly shot backstage. You can hear the audience is just going crazy. They hate whatever is going on. At the time when I was watching, I was very confused, and I was also just, it kind of enhanced things a little bit for me. It made the promo seem better. I was definitely wondering, like, did did they record this during a takeover or something? Because that's usually yeah. the only time that we get this level of crowd response. It was booing for the entire duration. Yes. So I was thinking, what the hell could be happening that's giving them enough space to just boo this entire time? And I'm pretty sure we know the answer. I mean, we're not 100%. You can never be truly certain of anything, Tristan, in this world. This is the result of the next promo we're going to talk about, which I think was going on while they were filming. We do get seven whole sustained minutes of booing during the greatest promo that was never cut. Champa shows up. This was insane. This motherfucker got everyone on earth to hate him. (laughs) They hate him. They hate him. And I know you might think, listeners, that hate is a strong word. It's not a strong word for this situation. This is multiple cuts to the crowd where there is either a seven-year-old kid or an older man doing double thumbs and screaming at the top of their lungs kind of hate. Boo this man! NXT guy is red in the face. He's always red in the face. Everyone is exploding. Blood is probably pouring out of their skin nxt guy is always red but on the scale of it he is full tomato he's really mad 
everybody hates this guy, and it's insane. He is cool, calm, and collected. Commentary says that he is public enemy number one, and everybody starts booing. There's a shot where you see that Mankind is in the audience. He's booing. Yeah, Sting is Sting is in the audience too. He's booing as well. The Johnny Wrestling chants continue. He finally gets to the middle of the ring. He picks up the mic to his lips. He's about to talk. Everybody starts booing even louder. He takes the mic down. He's very obviously chewing multiple sticks of gum. He's looking at the crowd with a true gaze of contempt but a kind of also blasé gaze of contempt he's very removed from what's going on he's also upset he's clearly he is despite trying to play it off like he's just like i don't give a shit if you boo me i think when he raises the mic to his lips and this happens multiple times and he cannot even begin talking because the boos are so loud he i think he actually gets a little fired up. <laughs> I think that there's a realization. He beat up Johnny because he was annoyed that the fans in his mind were going to replace him because they love Johnny so much. But if you beat up the favorite, you don't then become the favorite. Yeah. You become the most hated. You become public enemy number one. Yeah, and the favorite is not truly gone either because everybody is still shouting for him. So it really doesn't work. He looks at the crutch multiple times. He tries to talk multiple times. He's always denied. He almost looks a little sad too sometimes. He's really got a great face for this. At one point, he tries to talk. They start chanting, you suck. And he gets so angry, he throws the mic in anger. This is five minutes in, and yeah. we hear the first words we've heard this entire promo. And it's Nigel yelling, Oh! He never opens his mouth, and the crowd never stops booing him. We're finally approaching the climax, because he's walking around the crowd. He pauses yeah. for a second, he looks over his shoulder, and then like a fucking snake, snatches a Johnny Gargano sign out of a fan's hand. And he looks at it for a couple of moments in quiet contemplation and then shows it to the audience. We get the first cheer that we've had this entire time because people see the Gargano poster and they go, yay, Johnny Gargano! And he rips it. He then throws the pieces into the ring, jumps into the ring, and Beats it with a crutch. The crutch flies apart. This thing, he is just brutally destroying this crutch. He then storms away. He gets to the top of the ramp. Everybody's chanting Johnny Wrestling. And he extends his hands out like Jesus Christ and just soaks up the hate. I loved this. Like I said, it's the best promo that was never cut. I don't know of any other promos that were just complete silence like this for this long. It's stupendous. It's so I don't great. know that this has happened. I'm sure it has. And you guys can please email us at 
what's NXT pod at gmail.com to let us know. This was so crazy how effective this complete silence was. I feel like I, I feel like Shawn Michaels did something like this, but I don't know. I can't remember it. And I couldn't find anything. It's hard. But remove yourself from the emotions of watching it. And you instantly realize that it was Ciampa showing off just the fucking master control he has of the audience. Yeah. If it wasn't so effective, it would almost be presumptuous. I'm going to cut the best promo you've ever seen on NXT, and I'm going to do it without saying a word. It really was so well thought out. And then I'm going to fucking beat up the ripped up sign with my crutch like I'm fucking Ric Flair elbow dropping my blazer. He's a genius. He's a genius. Yeah, he has a very, he has the gold membership at Medical Supply Company Incorporated. Because he, he just orders those crutches. Oh, you want you want to skip over this and go straight to crutch talk. I'll go to crutch talk. I okay, no, I guess I don't want to go to crutch talk right away. I'm, I'm no no sorry. no. Let's 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 at, go to crutch talk and then we'll come back to it. Because I'm, I'm looking at my notes, so like I'm just I'm just reading what I wrote. I see. We'll come back to crutch talk because first we both agree the silent promo fucking killer. Is this moment in your mind? worth losing Johnny Gargano for. I want everybody to think back over what I've been saying about Johnny Gargano for the past couple of weeks. Yes, this was totally worth it. <laughs> this was worth it. This was so powerful and so explosive and just, I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine how you get to this point if this didn't happen. It's all a beautiful tapestry because for months they have pulled, you know, it doesn't affect me because I love Almas, but you, they've coaxed out a love of Johnny Gargano. That I probably wouldn't have had if they didn't do all this shit. They coaxed it out. And right when you realized, literally the week after I started giving you shit for loving Johnny Gargano, he is ripped away from you. And you feel so raw. The next yeah. week, you have Almas rubbing your face in it. And now this. We talked about the poor booking of Aleister Black. But this has been handled fucking pitch perfectly. I can't remember another storyline I've been this invested in. Tommaso Ciampa is this year's Velveteen Dream. Yeah, because the the same level of attention and the same level of, you know, thought and true story development that they put into Dream, they're putting into Ciampa. And Ciampa came after Dream, so who knows what they've learned. We're going to see some crazy shit. It's definitely going to be more. It's going to work out being more. There was a certain level of emotional distance in the Velveteen Dream Alistair Black feud. Because so much of that feud was about how um, goofy and fun it was to see those two characters interacting. Uh, yeah. That led to emotional investment. This, there is none of that. You know, Champa isn't going to fucking slide whistle up behind anybody. 
uh, Andrade Almas isn't going to have a fun catchphrase that he uses. It's just, like, kind of brutal melodrama that's like, you care about this guy. We're going to spend months making sure you care about this guy. And now he's a failure, but we're going to give him one more chance. Maybe he can win. No, he didn't win. And it's because his best friend stabbed him in the back. Oh, my God. It's really, really effective. Since my return to watching wrestling, this is probably the biggest, like, emotional style moment thing that I've seen. How about we go back to crutch talk? (laughs) Yeah, okay, sure. How many crutches did he go through so far? Do we have a crutch counter? Can we do, like, a little dinging bell for each crutch? Because I don't even remember how many. We have not been counting the crutches, but I wrote down the same note. He bent that shit and pieces flew off. And I was like, because we talk about it as the crutch, as though he has one crutch. But every single time he uses the crutch, it bends in half. That is beyond repair. And 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 I think he's broken it every single time he's used Every it, single right? time. Like, yeah. I mean, he smashed Johnny one time with it, that very first match where he smashed him, and it just bent at a 45-degree angle. It was just gone. I suppose this is crutch number three he's destroyed. It probably is. So how many do you think he's going to go through before he stops doing the crutch thing? Or is the crutch his thing now? Is it like Elias with the guitar? There were two things, actually, that I thought of. The first thing, and this is a short one, is that I was thinking they're going to replace the Blackheart logo with a crutch. So he's just going to have a crutch on his shirt. You can't do that, though. No, I guess you probably can't. Because everybody wants that fucking shirt, even though he's not letting him have it. Yeah, well, he's not letting him have it because he's a great heel, and he doesn't care about t-shirt money, which is really driving me crazy. Yeah, you gotta get that t-shirt money, Champa. Somebody needs to pull him aside and go, hey, listen, good storytelling is good storytelling, but we gotta get that t-shirt money. Just think of all the damage you could do with that fucking t-shirt money. You could kill a bunch of baby goats. Buy a car and run Johnny Gargano over with it. Buy Johnny Gargano's house out from under him and evict him. <laughs> oh my god, he just becomes a shitty landlord. <laughs> Bed bugs, you say? Uh, I don't have to do anything to fix that. Sorry. No, you're gonna have to have more proof than that. <laughs> I think you broke that water heater. We're gonna replace your floors. Pull up the flooring in the living room and then are like, we'll be back in two weeks to finish. He's always showing up at their at their house because he's like, you know what, uh, city ordinance, I gotta measure the rooms so that he could find violations and stuff and just, find... <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> In the middle of the summer, he calls him up and is like, uh, I see you got one of those, uh, in-window ACs. That isn't up to code, so you're gonna have to remove that. Yeah. And they go, oh, but we, we have a bracket, like, it should be up to code. Nah, that isn't up to code, you're gonna have to remove that. But tomorrow it's going to be 102 degrees. Nah, you're going to have to remove that AC. Sorry. I don't make the yeah. rules. I don't make the rules. Sorry. 
that's basically the thing that's going to push him from wrestling heel to actual literal devil. <laughs> I agree. Landlords are the devil. So he needs to uh, get that t-shirt money, basically. <laughs> just think about how evil he could be. And just think about how how fun I, how much fun I would have wearing that shirt and just staring at myself in the mirror and maybe, like, getting really upset. I want that shirt so bad because I noticed, finally, what it says on the back. Obviously, the front is this really cool design of a skull with a big chompa yeah. beard, and it says Blackheart. Perfect. On the back, it says... This is my moment. Oh my god, that's so great. Yeah. No, I know. It's really good. They they have to release it eventually. They're definitely going to, but I really like that somebody in NXT is like No, we've got to hold on to this for a bit. Like it's going to yeah. show up after Takeover probably. But Oh yeah, I like that they're being a little bit of a cock tease with that where they're like, "Ah, no, you want the shirt? Yeah, you can't have it. Sorry." He's a bad guy. He doesn't like you wearing his shirt. Yeah, he doesn't care about you. I think we both agree that this is the right way to do it. Should this happen again before TakeOver? Now I'm not so sure that it should. I think they, they did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. TakeOver's not that far away. TakeOver's a month away. I still feel like, I don't know, four weeks, I think you can hold off. I think they could they could flash back to it. He can do stuff on Twitter. You could do backstage segments. Where people are trying to talk to him and he storms away. That would be good. This was so good that I don't know if they can get away with three weeks. Maybe even four weeks. I'm not doing the math, so. Yeah. It's either three or four weeks. I don't know if they can go that long without addressing how amazing this was at all. Yeah. No, I definitely could see it coming back later. Like... They can't do it next week. They can't. No, they should not do it next week. They've got to let this sit. I don't even know sit. if I want to see a flashback next they, week. They need to let this sit for a couple of weeks. It's got to fester. What this whole build has been about is unresolved anger. And you keep having him come out or even have flashbacks to this. And it feels like... Every time you do that, you're going to have more emotional clarity. And that isn't being unresolved. That is slowly resolving something. That isn't good. It needs to be out of sight, out of mind, so that, like what we were talking about last week, he casts a shadow on NXT. Two weeks where we go, I can't believe he's not even going to show back up this week. Fuck this guy. Fuck this yeah. guy. You have to always be thinking about him in the back of your mind until all of a sudden he's in front of your face. Yeah. There's no in-between. Like Johnny Gargano. <laughs> yeah. Kept thinking about him, but never did shit about it, and now he doesn't fucking work at NXT anymore. Alec, this has been a blast. Yeah. We're now doing this monthly. We're going to try to always, if there is a takeover, record after the takeover. But luckily, one month from today is WrestleMania. Well, there you go. So we will be recording in one month and talking all about TakeOver, uh, whichever it is. Where's TakeOver? Probably New Orleans, New right? Orleans, right. 
because that's where WrestleMania is. If you ask Ciampa, I bet he's got a good hookup at uh, the medical supply company. He can get you some ginseng or something like that. <laughs> Help with this fucking cold, yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> this has been What's NXT. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the other one, Stitcher. Please subscribe, like, and review us. Please, please, I'll say it again, please. He's begging now, but I'm not. You can contact me. I'm on Twitter, at Enemy of Both. Alec, you got anything to talk about? Yeah, I got a season two of Under the Tokyo Tower, my Sailor Moon podcast. It's coming out soon. Probably we got about another month or so of build time. Uh, So you can check us out on midnightzero.nyc or iTunes or anything like that. Uh, midnightzero.nyc is also where you can find episodes of this podcast and you can actually get involved in the community there and talk and chat with each other and, you know, do a little back and forth on the episode, correct us on stupid shit. Tell me about that Shawn Michaels quiet promo that I was thinking about that I can't find that maybe didn't happen. Who knows? It's great. Check it out. Otherwise, please tune in next month to find out what the fuck just happened at TakeOver New Orleans and what's next. What's NXT? Yeah! We did it. We did do it. What do you call it? The fatal four-way spot. Yeah, hold on. I need to let... There are clearly five police cars driving by. Yeah, I heard that. I was a little... I was getting a little distracted, Tristan. Why don't you move to a neighborhood that's more conducive to podcasting? Like Park Slope. I can't afford it. (laughs) That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on one second. I know you're going to fucking do it again. No? Okay. But, knowing how Son of a bitch. They always fuck me over, man. Yeah, they get you. These fucking police. They know. They know your (laughs) opinions about them. (laughs) It turns out I want to abolish policing and the prison industrial system just because cops oh, are yeah. Oh, no, right. Here I am thinking they're responding to you, but you've been responding to them this entire time. It's just because they won't shut their goddamn sirens off. I show up to fucking, like, DSA protests and everybody's like, yeah, the cops, they're just a fucking way to keep a slave class of prisoners in our jails making cheap goods and i'm like yeah and they're so loud (laughs) (laughs) yeah can you believe those fucking sirens (laughs) and and all that shit the the body armor what an eyesore
It ruins my podcast. We got to get rid of these guys. <laughs> yeah, these guys are the worst. <laughs>